This is Sick and Wrong, America's number one source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by the Reach Around Foundation. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, D. Simon. I'm your other host, Lance Wackerly. What's up there, Wackerly? Is that a shot glass of whiskey? Yeah, in your we're going to do the official shot of Thai whiskey. You know, dude, when did this become a sick and wrong tradition? Since I wanted to try to poison you. Ah. Here we go. Ah, dude, I swear. <laughs> oh my God. It's just so bad. It's like model airplane paint. I, dude, we'll never get through yeah, that much will. whiskey. One half shot per show. So someone, That wasn't even a whole shot. It was a half shot. You know, I asked him. He told me he bought that for, <laughs> for like $2. So you know we're drinking like some kind of Thai like moonshine. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's probably like pig piss or something that they fermented. Like oh, fermented hog so urine. Ah, dude, it's absolutely vile. It's absolutely vile. I, if, ah. your eyesight, if your eyesight starts going, just let me know. Yeah, I don't know. And so I'll dude, let you know. So, dude, did you ever notice on our MySpace page? So, on our friends list for the Sick and Wrong MySpace page, we have a varied group of friends there. I think we have everyone from Ron Jeremy to uh, Screech. But we also have the Serial Killer Calendar. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Mm-hmm. Do you ever click on it and check out the page? Yeah. <clears throat> nice paintings of serial killers. Yeah, and in a calendar form. It's in a calendar form. So has so that the, dude made a new 2007 calendar? Well, I got an email. I, from, I got an email from him about it. So I went to the website and I was checking it out. And there's a little, there's an area of this extra links on the serialkillercalendar.com, and they talk about last meals for convicted uh, killers. So people about to be executed talks about the last meals. And it's yeah, weird. lots of killers are convicted and they aren't put to death. Yeah, yeah. but people but that people are, are going about to, the chair to be executed. Or the gas yeah. chamber or the whatever table, the, the injection table. Yeah, they you know, people who are about to be executed. Well they have a list of some pretty high profile serial killers and um they they recount their last meals on it. And it's weird because I was like, you know, it's kind of a, this is definitely a good sick and wrong topic, but also I don't think I've ever really put much thought into that. Like, have you ever thought what would be your last meal? No, I haven't. Yeah, ne- neither have I. But I don't so, think it'd be too hard to come up with one. Well, you know what I was thinking? I want to talk about this, and at the end of our little discussion here, we should reveal what our last meals would be. So if I, we I'll were just ignore you while you're talking and think of mine. <laughs> yeah, just said, just be preoccupied with what you think right. will be your last meal. So, so anyway, go if you go to SerialKillerCalendar.com and you click on like extra links, there's a whole section on uh, death row, and there's a great article here by uh, I think his name is Michael Vogel. He's talking about if you were on death row, what would your last meal be? And uh, he was saying that um, there's a bunch of different websites actually that have um, <clears throat> they, they deal with this subject here, like the state of Texas. Used to keep a list of inmates' last meals on its website. Um, one of their conv- convicts who participated in preparing last meals compiled them into a cookbook entitled "Meals to Die For." I remember when that came out. Do you ever hear about that? No, I didn't. Uh, there's a similar book called "Last Supper's Famous Final Meals from Death Row," and there's even a website which is interesting. I checked it out called DeadManEating.com. You can actually order a bunch, like uh, various paraphernalia with the deadmaneating.com Is it a cookbook or it. just like a coffee table book? Because I know a lot of these serial killers, when they or whoever is being put to death, they they often order specific things like, you know, uh, like macaroni and cheese, yeah, or lasagna. There's, and... there's not a recipe. You just go buy it from the store. You go buy it from a fast food restaurant or something. Well, Meals to Die For, I actually think, is a cook a cookbook. Okay. But the other book is just, um, I think it just lists a bunch of famous serial killers and what they, they ended up ordering. All right. And Dead Man Eating has everyone who's convicted, or everyone who's um, executed, has everyone's last meals. People that you've never heard of. Hmm. It's interesting. And so anyways, uh, he also uh, goes into a little more detail on um, dining on death row. The tradition of providing a condemned person a final meal goes back to the ancient Greeks, Egyptians, and Romans who practiced this custom. Ages ago in Europe, the provision of a last meal had superstitious underpinnings. It was believed that if a condemned person received a last meal, he tacitly accepted his fate and forgave those responsible for his demise. So I, they wouldn't haunt you from beyond the grave. Exactly. His uh, acquiescence and absolution prevented his spirit from vengeful, vengefully haunting those who played a role in his uh, prosecution. Which makes sense. It makes sense. 
So if uh, you believe in that kind of crazy crap. But yeah, but I mean, if you're like some superstitious, you know, judge back then, obviously you'd feel guilty for uh, executing this person. You wouldn't want the guy to come back. Because, dude, if you had your head, if you were beheaded, wouldn't you get vengeance from beyond the grave if you were given the option? Yeah. But if I there think, is. I don't think some tater tots would change my mind about that. Yeah, I think I would still go after that as well. Uh, today, most governments provide a last meal to those who are sentenced to death. Uh, naturally, there are limitations on the request. Um, you can't order caviar. You can't order uh, fargoa. Yeah, or you could say, like, I want 17 pounds of saffron and just bankrupt the whole state. No, you... <laughs> and they could never get that much, so you would, would never be murdered. Well, Texas, Killed, whatever, Texas limits uh, the meals to food that can be made within the prison. Florida imposes a $20 price limit, which is kind of low. I mean, if you think about Cheap it. skates. Dude, can you even get a pizza for 20 a large pizza for 20 bucks? One topping. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, what the fuck? Um, some states will allow takeout from pizza parlors or other popular restaurants. Maryland uh, does not offer its in- inmates a special last meal. So I imagine the uh, Maryland... Uh, wardens are probably haunted on a regular basis. They don't off. They they feed the guy right. They just don't let the dude request. Not a special something. last meal. <laughs> they yeah. don't just like cut off all food. Once yeah, you're, he you're not to getting death. any food. You're gonna die. We don't care. <laughs> um, alcohol is universally forbidden. What? And a final smoke depends on whether the prison is smoke free or not. Can you can you imagine that? Like, I like the I like the idea of the smoke for your prison because that's just that's just extra that's, torture. That's pure torture. If you're a hardcore smoker and then you get thrown in jail and you can't smoke at all, that's just that's cruel. I don't even understand how they regulate that. Like, how do they enforce that? No smokes come in, dude. I bet you I bet you they have some creative ways of smuggling smokes in. Yeah, I've actually seen this on TV. P- people do get smokes in there, but it's bad. It's like a huge punishment if you're caught. It's basically like the same thing as having yeah, same thing as having drugs or alcohol. In the yeah, but dude, I think it's a travesty though that they don't allow the guy to have a fucking beer, a final beer, one beer. I would just want an MGD. I don't see anything wrong with it. Mm. What about a near beer? Two, no, three. They, they don't even let you have a near beer. Wow. Not even a yeah, not even a wine cooler. You could probably get a non-alcoholic beer. I don't know. So he goes on to say why, you know, try to tries to explain the fascination uh, with the last meal here. And I think that all goes into our fascination with uh, morbidity in our culture. I mean, we're so fascinated with serial killers. But he says that the last meal, the author, the, uh, author here, the last meal gives us a glimpse into the darkest recesses of the human mind. What does a soulless serial killer want to consume on his last day on Earth? Why does he choose that meal? And uh, what does it mean if you chose the same meal as, like, John Wayne Gacy? Hmm. I mean, does it mean that you are psychically linked? Maybe. You know, I don't know. So let's Evil get, twin. Let's, let's get on to this here. He includes a top ten list of death row meals. And, you know, some of it was kind of surprising. I mean, once again, I never really thought. I never put much thought into, you know, I never given it much pause as to, like, you know, what did Ted Bundy order? Well, the weird thing is, you know, it's like it's – peering into their desires and you know they desire to hack people up that's why they're there but what else do they but desire what does it matter they like if, cheesy poofs <laughs> but what does it matter if the guy likes twinkies i mean what is it really what psychological explanation do you have you know from that i don't think it's any type of deep insight into the core of their being it's just you know hey it's interesting wow. it's i interesting. like i like ho-hos too <laughs> so uh this is from the dead man eating uh weblog so uh number 10 here on the list gary gilmore um, he was executed in 1977 in Utah. He was the first person executed when the death penalty was reinstated in Utah. He ordered hamburger, eggs, potatoes, and contraband bourbon. I don't understand that. Maybe maybe you're allowed to drink alcohol back then. Or in that state. Happy about winning his legal battle for immediate execution, Gilmer spent his last evening dancing with relatives and tossing back a few mini bottles of smuggled bourbon. What? So he had like a party? <laughs> He had like a little party. I didn't think you were allowed to hang out with him, are you? I guess. Maybe, well, they, no. were, maybe they were dancing on either side of the glass. <laughs> <laughs> He's just drinking uh, smuggled bourbon. He's doing the hammer dance back there. <laughs> <laughs> the worm, the earthworm. Yeah. Uh, number nine here, Thomas Grasso from Oklahoma, 1995. I, I haven't even heard of this serial killer. Uh, the signature meal in Last Supper's, Mr. Grasso devoured a dozen steamed mussels a Burger Good King choice. double cheeseburger with mustard, mayonnaise, with mul- <laughs> lettuce, and tomato. A can of Franco-American spaghetti with meatballs. Franco-American, is this SpaghettiOs? Yeah. A mango, half a pumpkin pie with whipped cream, 
and a strawberry milkshake. But there was a problem. Mr. Grasso had been served spaghetti and meatballs, but it actually requested SpaghettiOs. He did not take this lightly. His last words include this complaint. I did not get my SpaghettiOs. I got spaghetti. I want the press to know this. Have you ever eaten SpaghettiOs? Yeah, dude. You know they don't I'll, taste like spaghetti. <laughs> no, I don't even. It, it, no, it doesn't taste like spaghetti sauce at all. That's the thing. The sauce is different. It's almost like tomato soup or just like ketchup or something. Yeah, but all the Franco-American stuff tastes the same. Kind like of. because yeah. they all use that same sauce. Yeah, it's like Taco Bell. It's all. It's the same ingredients. They just mix them in different proportions. Well, at least this guy though ordered a you know a, a you know varied items an assortment of items here. I, like, if, I think it was kind of difficult to prepare this meal. I would have stopped at the mussels. <laughs> the cheeseburger. <laughs> you would have balked at the mussels? No, okay, No, dude, no, I would, have, I would have had the mussels and then just stopped there and said, okay, I'm ready. Yeah, but what about the uh, Whopper? <laughs> All right, so uh, number eight here, Ted Bundy, executed in Florida in 1989. Um, Bundy did not eat a special last meal. His dinner the night before was a burrito and some Mexican rice. Hmm. It's kind of boring. You think yeah. that guy would like, you know, kind of order some extravagant last meal? Yeah, he's supposed to be, you know, the uh, ladies' man, metrosexual type. You'd think he'd have some finer, you know, fine meal that he wanted. I want some pussy. <laughs> uh, number seven here, um, Gerald Mitchell. Uh, he was executed in Texas, two thousand one. One bag of assorted Jolly Ranchers, and uh, which is kind of weird. Another guy here, Lewis Gilbert. Yeah, see, that's a crazy person. Just a one bag, bag of Jolly, Jolly Ranchers. Ranchers. That guy's crazy. Still well, you know, crazy. Right but you know what, end. though? I think there might be. Um, I, I think there might be some reason behind that. Because think how long it takes you to get through a bag of Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> just, you don't chew any of them. You just, just suck, suck in the whole thing. It's, it's just like, come on, dude. <laughs> I mean, three just, three weeks just prolonging. Later. Yeah. Uh, Lewis Gilbert here in uh, Oklahoma is executed in 2003. A half gallon of vanilla ice cream, a box of assorted cones, and a box of Whoppers. Wait, wait, so he actually made ice cream cones for himself? He had ice cream cones and Whoppers. <laughs> it's like it's a, like a birthday party. Timothy McVeigh, executed in 2001. Everyone knows who he is. He had two pints of mint chocolate chip ice cream. Damn, that's a lot. How can you eat that much ice cream? I, I don't know. Two pints, that's a lot. But then again, dude, I mean, he's not worrying about his weight at that point. No, but just shoving it all into your stomach takes some effort. Dude, there's some fat chicks that can do that. <laughs> You yeah, know, but Timothy McVeigh was Allie a McBeal. But Timothy McVeigh was a skinny Friends. dude. Don't you remember him? Friends Marathon. Don't you remember what he looked like? He was a little skinny guy. Yeah, dude, high metabolism. He yeah, probably you're right. that yeah, shit he's down one there. of those uh, rat people. I don't think he was binging and purging here. Federal criminals are limited to a frugal $20 tab for their last meal request. Uh, during the time leading up to McVeigh's execution, the radical self-serving asinine propagandizing deluded animal rights group PETA spent time corresponding with McVeigh imploring him to order a meatless last meal. <laughs> I don't understand why PETA would care. Because they're assholes, that's why. It just doesn't make any sense to they me, They can't stop harassing people, ever. So Robert Madden here, executed in Texas in 1997, he asked that his final meal be provided to a homeless person. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> he was holding out for a pardon. His request was denied. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Odell Barnes Jr. We'll feed your cooked body to a homeless person. <laughs> How about that? Odell Barnes Jr. executed in Texas 2000. His last request was justice, equality, and world peace. His request was also denied. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no no fanciful <laughs> last request, please. Sorry, you fucking idealist. <laughs> um, number four I on the like list here. like a unicorn barbecued. <laughs> <laughs> Number four on the list here, Eileen Warnos. Uh, she was the um, serial killer in that movie uh, Monster. Yeah, Remember the, that? the, the prostitute, prostitute who killed all those dudes. Yeah. Killed Oliver Johns. Uh, she was executed in 2002 in Florida. Uh, one from the softer side of death row, Warnos didn't order a last meal and skipped the regular fare of barbecued chicken, mashed potatoes, apple crisp, and tea, but had a cup of coffee about 12.30 a.m. Instead, she ate a hamburger and other snack food from the prison's canteen. Later, she drank a cup of coffee. And, uh, yeah, her story's been portrayed in two movies, three books, and an opera. That kind of, That's pretty fitting, though, because she, wasn't she, like, a tough dyke-type chick? Yeah, she was, like, a tough Just chick. give me a burger and some coffee. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to die. Uh, Walter Legrand here. He was executed in Arizona, 1999. Legrand asked for six fried eggs, 16 strips of bacon, one large serving of hash browns, a pint of pineapple sherbet, 
uh, how do you say that? Sherbert? I don't know. Sherbert, Sherbert. Sherbert. I've heard it both know. ways. A breakfast steak, a cup of ice, 7-Up, Dr. Pepper, Coke, hot sauce, coffee, and two sugar packs. And as a final item, four Rolades. You know what that guy that guy should be that guy should be a spokesperson or spokes corpse for Denny's because you get all that stuff at Denny's. And it probably would only cost you twenty bucks. Dude, if you think about it though, that probably was his favorite meal. He probably went and killed people I and then was just like went Denny's. to Denny's at like four in the morning. I mean, if the crappy food at Denny's wasn't giving you pause, maybe the fact that the serial killer types love that food and Loves love it, to go love there, Denny's. maybe that should keep you out. So number two on the list here, John Wayne Gacy, the killer clown, executed in 1994 in uh, Illinois. Mentioned. Yeah, he's a big fat guy. He ordered Kentucky Fried Chicken, fried shrimp, french fries, strawberries, and a Diet Coke. A lot of fried food. <laughs> I love how he gets that, bounces it out with a Diet Coke. Yeah, he's watching his figure. <laughs> Gacy, the killer of at least 33 young men, was a former manager of a KFC. See, that blows my mind. Now, that I find really weird. Because when you work, it's especially a fast, maybe a regular nice restaurant, you, you might still be able to stomach the food. But if you work at a fast food restaurant, don't you, you just never want to see that food ever again. I, I, dude, apparently, I bet you Gacy, that's probably why he was so fat. Yeah. He probably ate it all the time. He loved it. You know, give me more biscuits. He should have stuck with that and not, you know, murdered children. So uh, Robert Buell here uh, executed in Ohio in 2002. You know, we almost should have, like, uh, did some research on some of these guys. I don't even know what this guy did. No, but people can figure yeah. it out. You know, they can go look it up on Google. So Robert Buell, his special last meal here was a single black unpitted olive. <laughs> That's that's art. That's like avant-garde artistic last meal. Actually, Buell was paying homage to a Victor Figueur, the last prisoner executed by the federal government until Timothy McVeigh. Figueur was hanged in 1963. <clears throat> His last meal was an olive with a pit still in it. He told this guy per- asked for it without the pit, though. Yeah, he wanted or no, he wanted an unpitted olive. So yeah, he had a pit still in it. If it were me, I would. Uh... You know, after these two guys, I'd pay homage to them by ordering two olives, but I wouldn't eat them. I would shove them one up each nostril. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of snort it out. Yeah. And then when, you know, when they killed me, I, I would like blow them out. <laughs> so Figure, this guy who um, was hanged in 1963, who ordered the olive with a pistol in, he told prison officials that he hoped it would sprout from his body an olive tree, a sign of peace. Figure's body was unclaimed by family and was quickly taken away by a funeral home after the execution and buried. His unmarked grave in a barren corner of a public cemetery bears no olive tree. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> and so finally here on the list, which I actually added myself, um, it found out that uh, Saddam Hussein, on, uh, he was executed just December 30th, 2006 in Iraq. His final meal here was boiled chicken and rice. With the food, he drank several cups of hot water laced with honey. It was a drink which dated back to his childhood. Yeah, I was going to say, is that some Iraqi delicacy? Dude, I, I kind of pictured falafel or something or hummus. Well, Hitler was a vegetarian, but he shot himself. So, I bet you yeah, he, he would have had an last interesting meal. last meal if he would have been executed. I bet you the Jews would have shoved matzo balls down his throat or something. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this gets back to our question leading into here. Wackerly... If you were being executed tomorrow, what would your last be your last meal be? And they don't give you any booze, right? No booze, unfortunately. I'm a little conflicted about and twenty dollars. That's all you get to I'm spend. I'm a little conflicted about the booze because the last thing you want to, would want to do. I I would want the booze if I could just get completely obliterated, like bonging, you know, bourbon. <laughs> but you wouldn't you wouldn't want to get drunk to that point where you're just kind of like melancholy and depressed because you know. You don't want to make yourself get yourself in that state when they're walking you to the gas chamber. Well, you don't want to get to the point where you start like, you know, blubbering. Yeah, but you start thinking about what's about to happen to you. You know, you start getting depressed because you're wasted. And, and you're just, just how, like, how I'm much, about to die. How you were just a huge piece you don't of shit ruminate. for your whole Yeah, life. you don't want to ruminate about no. what got you to this point. So, no. yeah, I would either want enough alcohol to be completely obliterated where I'm like, pass out my puke, or maybe even better, choke on my own puke and die. Yeah, or you just, you just don't know what's going on. You're so drunk. But a couple shots isn't going to do the trick no. for me. So I think maybe I would, I, even if alcohol were permitted, <laughs> I would forego it. But I would definitely, I, I'm not going to come up with some interesting thing i would want just some really heavy meal one of those meals where you just can barely stay awake anyways you know like a big half pound steak 
maybe two baked potatoes and some macaroni and cheese. Just the pass out food. That's like a Denny's meal. Sort of, yeah. But I'm just looking to... So you just want like an American meal. No, no. I'm just looking to sedate myself. So, but why? Just so you're gonna like just just enter into food coma, so you don't have yeah, to like so you'll coma. just pass pass out. Maybe a big turkey leg <laughs> with gravy yeah, on it. But if you think about it, you eat that much food, it's gonna take longer for the poison to uh, you know soak into your system. Well, that brings up another good point. The last meal request is dependent upon how they're going to kill you. I mean, hanging. Yeah, but it's, it's lethal injections. What they do now. So that's what it's gonna be. Yeah. They don't yeah, hang right. anymore. Well, lethal injection, to go with your point that you just made, I might forego. I might just be like, I don't want to eat anything. Give me some tea or something, valerian. You're just going to take tea. a cup of coffee? No, I don't want to be awake. Meal. That's going to wake me up more. But I don't. But like you said, I don't want to put more into my body that's going to dilute the poison. See, dude, I, I disagree with you. So what do you? what's so your choice? My last meal would probably be 18 bean burritos from Taco Bell. <laughs> Dude, seriously, there's, there's just a straight up ninety nine cent bean burrito. No, dude, there, there's rhyme to my my reason here. Okay, so what I'd want to do is I reason wanna, to your rhyme. <laughs> reason to my rhyme. Okay, there's reason to my rhyme. <laughs> there's reasoning behind what I just said. What I'd want would be eighteen bean burritos with hot sauce, extra hot sauce, and that's about almost like twenty dollars right there. I'd eat as many as I can because I know that Taco Bell is a laxative and the fact that i'd want a laxative in my body is when i'm gonna when i'm strapped to that chair and they're about to administer that lethal injection i want diarrhea shooting from my ass i want diarrhea coming out my legs i want it to smell horribly i want them not to forget who they're executing at that point well the people viewing it are most of them are behind glass. You realize that, right? They won't. But you know what the thing is? <laughs> but the executioner, you'll definitely get back at him, dude. Could you imagine the guy administering that? It's like, God, dude, this guy smells like shit. And not to mention, they gotta strap my legs down. So there's gonna be diarrhea running down my pants. I have my legs kicking around. There's shit flying everywhere. Before I'm, you're strapped down, it's my final act of defiance. I'm not gonna go out sedated. I'm not gonna go out just sitting there being like, okay, take me, inject me execute me now this is my final act of defiance but i i have to say you're sort of skirting the issue you're 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 cheating on the store the question Dude. because you have a scheme and you have a scheme in mind it has nothing to do with you special wanting, last meal it has nothing to, to do with you wanting this food which is the whole point of listening to i all do enjoy stories. taco bell though that's like one of my favorite foods <laughs> I do enjoy but you Taco like it Bell. because it's cheap, not because it's good. Yeah, but it's, it's nourishing, and it's one of my happiest memories. When I get wasted, it, there's nothing better. I mean, there's nothing more gratiating than going to Taco Bell at 2.30 in the morning and gorging yourself on bean burritos and Mexi melts and what have you. If you're drunk. If you're drunk, yeah. But you're you not know. drunk. You're in prison waiting to die. Yeah, but I have a purpose yeah, there. Yeah, okay. My purpose is to fuck with that executioner All and right. the warden. I Hopefully think, I'll get like some diarrhea shot in his face. I kind of think you're cheating on the question, but I'll bring up two points. Forgetting that you're cheating on the question. What if the executioner guy tells you, you know, everybody shits their pants when we kill them? Wouldn't you feel a little bit cheated? Like, oh, I went through all this, you know... Uh, yeah, I just shoved all this Taco, Taco Bell into Bell my into mouth. Me. I could have had something really good, and, and now he tells me that everybody shits. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess, I guess that's that's definitely a point I hadn't thought about before. But, dude, I don't know if everyone really shits themselves I don't know when either. they die. These are just hypotheticals. And the other hypothetical is, let's say you eat these 20 bean burritos. 18? 18. 18. Because I think it'd be around 20 bucks. Because there's the, the tax and yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> How, what if you eat these 18 bean burritos with, you know, three hot sauce packets each, and then you're sitting there in your cell. Because they do give it to you the night before, you so it'd be like 1230. You feel a rumble in the tumble. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, sh you know, when are they going to come get me? <laughs> and they're like, well, you know, it's going to be a couple hours before we get the table set up. And you, you know what I'm getting at. Time is not on your side at that point. Yeah, I kind of. I, I, do you I, hold it in? Do you try and take a little half shit? And save up half of it. Wackily, I don't like the cut of your jib here. Okay, <laughs> I'm just you know I'm playing I had this planned advocate. out. I'm playing I had this planned out. Playing devil's advocate. Okay, I understand. I That's maybe, a consideration. I, I think maybe you should hold back. Maybe the final six bean burritos until you hear them coming down the hall. So you know what I could do, and though? then just shove those all in, and just eat them all at once. 
the last six. I mean, you should you should get it all primed up and then shove the last six in when you hear like the boots. Yeah, but the thing is, though, I bet you I could Mr. hold. Mr. Simon, <laughs> come with us. I could hold the diarrhea. Maybe. I, I mean, Dude, I, I, had, I could try. <laughs> you've had the diarrhea that you're trying to get I is guess, the kind of diarrhea that cannot be held back. I guess if you think about it, too, I don't think I've never eaten more than like four bean burritos. So 18. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a torrent. I mean, one of your one of your of ancestors, diarrhea. Moses, did part the Red Sea, but we're talking about eighteen bean burritos here. That tide yeah. shall not be stemmed. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I'd be able to control that. It's a good point. I guess I probably would have to maybe maybe I'd eat nine and then wait until like around four in the morning or something, a few hours before the or maybe like an hour before the execution, shove yeah. another nine in there. Yeah, I think you need a plan. That's a good point. That's a good point. But you have a plan. The plan needs to be refined. That's all. Well, I'm the, the point is the point kids. is here. I'm not going to go out. You know, I'm not going to go out sedated. I'm not going to. I'm not just going to acquiesce and be like, "Kill me." I'm going out defiantly. You're going to be flailing your legs with shit squirting out of squirting your, your everywhere. Jail pants. Yeah, and then not to mention they're going to have to move my corpse, and there's just going to be shit everywhere, dude. If I was a prison warden and I worked in the you know execution chamber, after hearing this podcast, I would have mandatory depends adult diapers put on all <laughs> the uh, execution. You know they ease. probably do. They probably do. Well, yeah. people go check out that website serialkillercalendar.com or deadmaneating.com and put Buy some a thought calendar into while it. You're there, you yeah, know. put some thought into it yourself. What would be your final meal? Well, this is uh, Sick and Wrong Podcast, episode 59. We're one away from 60, which you might have to do a special episode for that. Um, I want to wrap up Podcast 58. Some of the uh, the uh, the votes have been tallied here. So I did a story about the cellmate interior decorator who hung those intestines up in his cell. Yeah. Uh, you did a story about Black Jesus, the cult leader. Cargo cult. Listener um, did a, send in a story about crackhead barbecue. They lit a crackhead on fire. Once again, dude, I'm on a streak here. I'm at uh, I came in with about 104 votes. You came in; it was close, 88 votes. Listener came in with about 32. Yeah, and I know I have to say something about this because people have been emailing in and saying, you know, oh, D's kicking your ass. Do I sense the, bitterness for the fourth week in a row? I'm a little sour bitter, grapes. But I would just like to say it's not like I'm getting swept. I'm getting lots of no, votes. The no. listeners are getting some votes. It's close, but you know, you're winning. It's fine. No, yeah, my, my article, my actually the the past two weeks, my articles have been close. But yes. th- this is the third uh, podcast I've won. Yeah, I know you're on a streak. So, but, uh, but it's not like I'm getting just pounded in the ass. No, no, it, it's closer. And I mean, and people, I think you should take that into account when you send these uh, menacing emails. Just be gentle with yeah. God. <laughs> God. I think Wackerly's ragging right now. Okay, so uh, for episode fifty nine here, I'm going to kick off the show. I believe you started last week, or if not, whatever, I'm going to start this week. People, as you know, the way Sick and Wrong works, uh, Wackerly and myself come the internet for the most disturbing news items of the week, audience votes, winner gets a case of beer. We also have a wild card, the listener submission, and uh, listeners do oftentimes win here on the show. So make sure you vote at sickandwrongpodcast.com. But here we go for uh, episode 59. So, uh, Wackerly, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's a new sport on the rise here amongst teenagers. Highlight? It's called sport killings. Oh. <laughs> sport killings of homeless people. Oh, no Jesus. longer, no longer do teens just play basketball or track or tennis, and they need new thrills now. Is this school sponsored? Is there like a varsity team and a JV team? <laughs> Actually, no. Uh, yeah, you just, you just knocked them out. Uh, you're going to go on the JV team. Unfortunately, not endorsed by the schools. Oh, okay. But, um, so this uh, most recent teen sport killing of homeless people happened in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. All Nathan Moore said he wanted to do was smoke some pot and get drunk with his friends. That's, That's all it. I wanted to do in high school. Yeah, smoke a little pot and get drunk with his friends. Hang out. Killing... Homeless man Rex Baum was never part of the plan that day in 2004. It all started off as a game, Moore said. The 15-year-old and his friends were taunting the homeless man. I was going to say, tease the homeless guy. (laughs) That's a good game. Throwing sticks and leaves at him, a couple rocks here and there. This was after having a couple beers with him. 
Which is which is interesting because back in high school, did you ever get a homeless guy to buy you beer? They weren't homeless per se, but uh, they yeah they were on the lower end of the economic strata. I remember in Bay City, we asked this homeless guy to go into I think it was a Seven Eleven actually. We gave him like thirty bucks to buy. It was like four. 12 packs and we had a specific order it was like you know four cases of bud and like a case of old milwaukee yeah and something else i don't know what it was that's a and mistake that a kid in high school would would make because now you realize that wait the reason that guy's homeless is because he does not take direction well he yeah, can't hold yeah. down a job what was funny about it the guy just went in there and uh took our money he bought a case of beer and like a bottle of shitty whiskey, and then went out the back door. And so we're sitting out there for a good like half an hour waiting. And we're like, you know, what the fuck, dude? What's that going on here? This dude just ripped, yeah, us totally off. ripped us off. So then we started driving around the block and we saw the guy drinking a beer and carrying the box and the bourbon. And yeah, we actually were about to kick the shit out of him. So we almost did a teen sport um, homeless killing, but uh, we didn't. Well, beating. What, what we ended up doing is we um, attacked him. And got our beer back, and uh, most of the money back. We didn't actually beat his ass. I think we did push him to the ground, though. But that was it, though, because we because he was trying kind of like you know starting a fight with us, and we we're just kind of like, hey, dude, we just want our yeah. money back. Realize our mistake. You know, let's remedy the situation. <laughs> how are we gonna but, handle um, this? <laughs> yeah, how are we gonna handle this? I had my shirt off. I was ready to give him a suplex. It was January in yeah. Michigan. <laughs> but yeah, well, it wasn't that big of a deal. So, uh, Moore says it was just a little bit of taunting, some throwing sticks and leaves. No big deal. But he's sorry for what came next. It was a mistake, he said. A sudden primal surge that made him and his friends, Luis Oyola, age 16, and 17-year-old Andrew Erke, begin punching and kicking bomb. Luis says, I'm going to go hit him. We're all laughing. Thought he was joking around, but he wasn't. The bum's name is Bomb. Bomb, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> B-A-U-M. Right. We just all started hitting them. They hurled anything they could find. Rocks, bricks, even Bomb's barbecue grill. Isn't Bomb a a chosen people's name? Bomb? Yeah, it sounds like a Jewish name, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Wasn't that the the guy that wrote Wizard of Oz? Yeah, Frank L. Bomb. Yeah, wasn't it? And so uh, they even hit him with his grill. It's a free-for-all. They pounded the 49-year-old with a pipe and with a baseball bat. He kept at his campsite for protection. Erky then took it one <laughs> step further here. This is just like the handgun thing, you know? People get handguns for protection, but most often... <laughs> they're used against they're themselves. They're using it themselves. Same yep. thing with protection pipes at your campsite. Or baseball bats. Or baseball Same bats. Same thing. So Erky, another one of these kids here, smeared his own feces on Bomb's face before cutting him with okay, a knife... Okay, that's just too far. ...to see if he was alive. Yeah, dude, that's just carrying it way too far. I he mean, cut- <laughs> it's one thing to hit him with a baseball bat... You know, smack him on the head with a barbecue grill, but smearing your feces on his face? What are you, a chimpanzee? I guess. And then you cut him with a knife to see if he's alive? Yeah. So after destroying Bomb's camp, the boys left the homeless man, head wedged inside his own grill, under a piece of plastic where they hoped the animals would eat him. (laughs) Then Moore says they all took off to go grab a bite to eat at McDonald's. I guess they had the munchies. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know, they got a little stoned, beat up some homeless guy. Let's go get uh, some munchies. See, you and your uh, high school experience almost beat up a homeless guy because he was ripping you off and taking the beer and alcohol that you had asked him to buy. We didn't actually hurt him. Right, right. He just but, gave us the money. But these guys were drinking with the guy. He had He had accomplished his task that he was given, and they still just, you know, couldn't hold back. No, dude, these guys did this maliciously. There was malicious intent here. So Baum's murder is uh, indicative of a disturbing trend amongst young people. National Coalition for the Homeless Report says last year there were 122 attacks and 20 murders against the homeless, the most attacks in nearly a decade. Uh, police found Baum's body two days after the teens attacked him. They bragged about it around town. I guess they were telling everybody about it. Geniuses. Police, yeah, which, which, dude, I mean, that always happens in high school. Small town, Milwaukee, everyone's going to find out. Police picked them up and they described what happened immediately and confessed. But, you know, if you think about it, dude, if you had, like, your friends were just like, yeah, man, we beat the shit out of this homeless guy, cut him with a knife, he smeared his shit all over his face, wouldn't you be like, 
Yeah, dude, I don't think I'm gonna hang out with you guys anymore. Yeah, and let's not tell anybody about this. <laughs> yeah, I know. Would you? Because be I'd like rather a, not go to prison. Like I, I don't know. I think this would be like a pact, a sworn to secrecy pact here. Yeah, I think you're right. So, uh, Erky, the feces smearer, told police that killing the bum reminded him of playing a violent video game. Ah, oh, Jesus. Yeah, blame everything on the video games. That's what they all do these days. Well, I think they figure that that might be a way out in their trial. You know, they can say, it wasn't me. I was influenced by this malign uh, video game industry. But it's such an easy out, dude. If I was that kid, I'm not going to blame it on a video game. I'm going to blame it on, like, Rosie O'Donnell. I've been watching a lot of Oprah lately. Yeah, Oprah, exactly. <laughs> she's taught me to uh, be strong and stand up for myself. Dude, I was watching Oprah, and Oprah convinced me to beat up a homeless man. Rosie O'Donnell was saying it not so much vocally, but through her body language. Her brassiness <laughs> and how she's just, you know, a strong woman just made me want to be a strong high school kid. And she's beat just the crap so out of that fucking ugly, guy. I had to go beat up a homeless guy. <laughs> okay, I think we exhausted okay. the possibilities. <laughs> all three teens pled no contest to first-degree reckless homicide charges. All three of them went to prison. What, so, does it, um, it really says reckless homicide? Yeah, reckless homicide. They're going to be serving serving time for 15 years. Hmm. So criminologists call these wild sprees sports killing. Largely middle-class teens with no criminal records assaulting the homeless with bats, golf clubs, and paintball guns. I guess there's even videos online. Some teens have even taped themselves in the act. Snuff films? Others, others have said they were inspired by bum fights, which um, I'm sure you're familiar with. It's that video series created in like 2002. Did you ever see that? Yes, I've seen Bump parts Bites. of it, yeah. Yeah, I, I've never seen the whole thing. I, I had a bootleg copy of it, but dude, that's pretty brutal, dude. They had a guy, um, there's a segment on it, they even talk about this in the article, the guy called the Bum Hunter, who went around like the Crocodile Hunter, Yeah. and would attack like a sleeping bum and hogtie the guy. He was a bum himself. No, the guy that was the, the the guy that was the bum hunter was just a normal dude. But he's he, like, assaulting people on he, videotape. Yeah, he affected an Australian accent. It would be like, "That's one crikey!" And then he would like grab the guy and hog tie him. Uh, no, I mean, I'm sure if you Google bum hunter, you know, um, bum fights, you're gonna find something. But it's like they also would give like a couple homeless people like a fifth of whiskey to pummel each other. And they had another guy that was like running right into a wall as with his head, head first. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's what I saw. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty nasty. They they ended up getting sued. They even got sued by the homeless guys. But uh, all in all, this article goes into detail about like some other kids that were um, uh, that were uh, beating homeless people as well. Like it's this has been happening all over the country in Alabama. It's been happening in in uh, Oregon, and so um, California State University professor here Brian Levine. Hate crimes experts say common themes run through teen on homeless violence. The attackers are almost always boys. Which makes sense, because I could see chicks attacking homeless people. Peer pressure and mob mentality sweep away caution. And parents don't suspect their children could be capable of such actions. <clears throat> so anyway, to wrap it up here, back at the prison in Wisconsin, Nathan Moore seems baffled by his own actions. Killing Rex Baum now registers like a blur or a dream, he says. So on the sick and wrong scale, dude, this is a uh, very disturbing trend amongst teens. Obviously, uh, video games just aren't, um, aren't doing it for them. I don't think it's. I don't think they suffice. I think uh, teens now. So you're saying the video games should be more violent to yes. sate the urge. I, exactly. I think video games need to raise the bar on violence to uh, satiate these kids who seem to just be the only thing that really uh, gets them off now is ultra violence. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So on the sick and wrong scale, they beat this guy. They shoved his head in a barbecue grill. They wipe feces on his face, and they're only like they're minors. I'm going to have to give them... I mean, dude, this was exceptional depravity here. I'm going to have to give this a 9.6. Um, I would only give it an 8.8, .8 and except for the fact... 8.8, .8, damn you. Wait for it. <laughs> except that they... Explain yourself. They stabbed him with a knife to see if he was still alive, and that means I'm going to give him a 9.2. 9.2. That's fair enough. We'll see what you have here, Wackerly, for episode 59. Alrighty then. I have been sitting on this story forever. I know. Local story. Uh, this woman, Susan Polk, 
went to trial in early 2005. It's a famous story in the Bay Area. It's been ongoing for the past like year and a half. High drama. Um, but I've been sitting on it because it's it's always been up in the air. What's going to happen if she was going to be convicted? Blah blah blah. But let me just get into it uh, because it finally happened. Convicted murderer Susan Polk defiantly refused to ask for mercy today before being sentenced to 16 years to life in prison for so fatally she finally got 16 years for fatally stabbing her psychotherapist husband at their home. In Orinda, which is sort of Walnut Creek, waspy, white area, you know. It's about 45 minutes away from uh, San Francisco. Um, In 2002, she committed this heinous act. At her sentencing, she said, shame on you all from the witness stand. This was a political trial. That's what it was. I was tried for blasphemy. I don't even feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to beg for mercy. I'm not going on my knees. Well, what's interesting about her, though, didn't she defend herself? Like yeah. She refused to be uh, represented by an attorney. Well, think about that sentence. There's like five kinds of crazy in that sentence. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is political, number one. <laughs> she was tried for blasphemy, crazy number two. She doesn't feel sorry for herself. Nobody's asking you to, woman. Crazy number three. She's not going to beg for mercy for, I'm not going on my knees. Once again, nobody's asking you to go on your knees. Number five. Please don't. Um, Contra Costa Superior Judge Laurel Brady sentenced Polk 49 to the maximum term on a second degree murder conviction along with a weapons enhancement. So I was mentioning it to you earlier that I thought 16 years sounded pretty lenient. But apparently 16 years to life is the maximum you can sentence somebody for second-degree murder. Oh, okay. And second-degree murder is that thing in between first-degree, which is like premeditated. You think about it for weeks. You go get a gun, take the gun out, kill the guy. Um, And then on the other side of second-degree murder is a crime of passion where you see your wife fucking the the gardener and you stab both of them and and you just weren't in control of yourself. Second-degree is... Not premeditated, but not a crime of passion. Yes. Um, so, uh, let me, uh, I'm like splicing three stories together here because this has been going on for so long, and this is the only way I can tell it this well. But in October 2002, so here's the act. Susan Polk traveled to Montana for about a week and looked for a condominium. She was in the middle of this big divorce thing. They have uh, four kids, three boys and one girl. She was married to a famous psychiatrist, right? Pretty famous. Uh, psychotherapist. I don't know if that's the same thing as psychiatrist. But uh, they were in a divorce, and she was going to Montana to look for a condo to sort of like, you know, start thinking about severing their separation and get starting a new life for herself. Or, <laughs> as everybody else thought. <laughs> While she was gone, a judge awarded her husband the house in Arinda and custody of Gabriel, uh, their youngest son, and reduced the spousal support that he was required to pay Polk. Uh, on October 13th, a couple days later, Felix Polk dropped off his 22-year-old son, Adam, at UCLA, where he was a student, and returned with Gabriel, their youngest son, who was like uh, 16, 17, something like that, uh, to their Orinda home at about 11 p.m. Um, Susan Polk, who had made multiple threats to kill her husband in his final days... <laughs> Everybody just thought this woman it, was insane. Well, everybody just thought it was like, you know, bad divorce, like I'm going to kill you, you motherfucker. You know how that thing goes. Oh yeah. Um she attacked the exhausted man in the pool house. So they had like a nice house with a pool and a little pool house, you know, the the floaties are in there and idyllic the, home. Yeah. So she attacked him in the pool house with a knife, ended up stabbing him 15 times. There's a bunch more detail around this because she says that something else happened, but now that she's been convicted, I'm just going to tell the story that she... Of what you know, actually happened. Of what, what the ju- you know the court decided actually happened. She stabbed him about 15 times in the chest. Um, but she didn't report his death. So she just left him in the pool house. The next morning, she dropped off and picked up Gabriel at school, the youngest son. So the husband was murdered. He's in the pool house. He's dead. He's just in there. She goes and gets their son, uh, takes him to school, goes to, goes to school, takes him to lunch, brings him back to school, goes, picks him up, doesn't say anything about, like, you know, something's happened. Even to even to make an alibi to say, oh, my God, I found your dad and some, you know, burglar stabbed him. She just didn't say anything about it. The night of October 5th, 14th, this is the day later, Susan Polk gave funny answers, quote, unquote, when Gabriel asked about his father, O'Connor wrote in a filing, that's like one of the lawyers, uh, one of the funny answers was, 
Because Gabriel was basically saying, where's dad? Did you kill him? <laughs> because she'd been saying it, you know, for days. Like, I'm going to kill that fucker. I hate him. Yeah, and he's gone. So one of the things she re responded to uh, Gabriel was, uh, I guess I didn't use a shotgun, did I? Meaning that, like, there's not brains all over the kitchen or we don't have a shotgun. I Dude, don't know. this woman really was certifiably insane. And finally, because she just left the body out there in the pool house, finally Gabriel just found it and called 911. So the son found the body. Yeah. Jesus. Stabbed 15 times. But uh, Polk initially denied her involvement. The kid's going to be a horror movie director. Yeah, I would like hope Eli so. Eli Roth. I, I hope he uh, comes out with some positive uh, experiences from this. <laughs> Polk initially denied her involvement and allegedly told the deputy, we were getting a divorce anyway. <laughs> that was her answer. <laughs> Just makes it easier. I didn't kill him. So, that, so you know, the cops come to their house and say, well, you know, your husband's been stabbed and he's laying in your pool house. And she, her, she says, well, I didn't do it. And we were getting a divorce anyway. <laughs> Isn't that completely incriminating right there? <laughs> so, so anyways, yeah. yeah. Some of the other craziness in this was... Uh, uh, Polk was sentenced after two of her sons, Adam and Gabriel, castigated her. Jennifer Polk, her daughter, um, for, actually, it was a daughter from her husband's previous marriage. I love marriage. the fact that she has so many kids here that had to uh, witness this. And three I mean, of this them, trial and everything. And three of them completely came out in court against her and said, you're an awful person. We hate you for murdering our father. God, it has to be the worst stepmom ever. Ever. I mean, seriously. Andrew Polk, the victim's oldest son, provided a videotaped statement in which he called Polk a sociopath. Um, and all four of these children urged uh, the judge to pronounce the maximum sentence. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, so there's a bunch more to this story. She defended herself in court was completely batshit crazy the whole time. I she just would... remember I remember numerous reports, like numerous articles on uh, in the Chronicle about this lady. Yeah. So she would she would try and declare a mistrial like five times yeah. a day and just would go and, and the just one of, havoc one in of the, the most courtroom. interesting things to me was that um she would just go on and on about like personal stories on the stand or when she was cross examining people or examining people and the judge would say, does this have any relevance to the case? And she would say, yeah, yeah, I'm getting to that point. But really she was just one of those women that likes to talk about just herself. Venting. Um, so during the uh, sentencing, uh, Sequera who, and I totally feel for this guy, he was the prosecuting attorney. Actually, there were about two or three beforehand that quit. We're like, I'm not going to participate. <laughs> Just out of sheer frustration. Yeah, I'm I mean, not going to participate imagine? in this farce of a trial. This was the guy who made it to the end. Um, during the end, he opened a copy of the DSM-4. You know, it's that psychological, psychological thing manual, that talks yeah. about all the weird... Uh, Antisocial disorders. Classifies the disorder. So if there's a disorder and it's real, it's not made up, they put it in there. And he, he brought that up to the stand when he was doing his final statements and read the definition of persecute, persecutory delusional disorder which is basically where you schizophrenia think yeah you think everybody's out to get you every, everybody's doing shit to like ruin you which is basically what she she exhibited during her uh you know trying to defend herself uh this guy sequera told jurors he found it interesting that polk spent 17 hours and 24 minutes 25 minutes on the stand offering narrative testimony about her marriage and her life and everything but out of those 17 and a half hours, only 54 minutes of that time were spent discussing the night her husband died. <laughs> and this was a trial that <laughs> went on. Just only 15 minutes. This was a trial that went on for, you know, Dude, six two, months. Something yeah, but like it was that. like, I mean, it was ongoing for yeah. like at least a year. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I just loved this story as it was unfolding. And, you know, I finally got to bring it out on the show. I'd like to add a couple more points. I know we're going long here. But uh, so she she was defending herself. But at one time she had a lawyer, a defense attorney. She fired him though, right? She fired a couple, but the last one was Daniel Horowitz, who's the reason he wasn't in the trial anymore is because his wife was murdered by this Satanist, yeah, kid the satanic kid who was 16 years old at the time that he committed the murder. And this has all been resolved. He's he's in prison for life without the possibility of parole. Um, you know, he had some like weed paraphernalia sent to their trailer that they lived in while they were building this big mansion. And he murdered her in the trailer. Yeah. And carved like at. symbols into her back and, and hacked open her entrails <laughs> and pulled them all out. So, uh, you know, there's lots of stuff. And, and the only other interesting thing was, uh, back in 87, Susan Polk and her husband, the one that she murdered, 
participated in one of these things where they told the media that one of their children was satanically abused in a daycare. <laughs> Which was this big phenomenon in the 80s that all these people, there are all these false memories and psychiatrists and psychologists would interview little children, but they'd plant oh. the evidence in their minds and make them go up on the stand. Abuse. And yeah, the kids weren't this. ever really abused. They would just go on the stand and repeat what the adults had said to them because they thought that that's what the, you know, they were trying to make the adults happy and none of this shit ever happened. So these two, these, these two people, so Susan she fabricated and, stories even back then. Yeah. Susan and Felix Polk are, were, they were both fucked in the head. That's all I have to say. Yeah. And their kids, I think are definitely going to be, um, are going to be traumatized from this. Yeah. Well, they're irrevocably. They're, I, I just I, like I the just, fact that they're so happy that their mom is going to prison for the maximum term and they, and they wish that they, that she would be murdered or executed. Know, I honestly can say though, I don't think we've heard the end of Susan Polk. Um, she's tried to appeal and it's been denied. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I but think she'll s- probably get out in 16 years. And something's going to happen again. I guarantee we're going to hear something else. There's going to be repercussions yeah. from this. The children will do something odd. So on the sick and wrong scale, she murdered her husband. She defended herself. But she murdered her husband in such an egregious fashion. Left <sighs> the body in the pool house. Took the kid, you know, the had kid the, kid, found, the kid found yeah. the body because she couldn't be bothered to move it anywhere because she's crazy. But, I mean, I wouldn't say there's... It's heinous, but I wouldn't say there's exceptional depravity here. There is not exceptional depravity. The story, the value in the story is that, is all the trial. And how all strange the crazy it was, yeah. At the trial. And the tribulations. I'm going to have to give that a 9.1. Yeah, I'll give it a, a 9. But well, I've been wanting to tell it for so long that now I just feel like I've given birth. Yeah. And it's over. It had to be very cathartic for yes, you. Yes, it has yeah. been. Well, we'll see what the audience has to vote on this. Moving on here, um, the final article we're going to do here for episode 59 was sent in by uh, two listeners sent in the same story. Uh, Eric from uh, Sweden and uh, Michael, who I think is from the UK, both sent in the same story, which occurred in Romania. Romania stunned by nuns' death in exorcism. And I know... You mentioned before that we've done an article about an exorcism gone awry here on Maybe. the podcast. Maybe. I couldn't find it. I just it, can't remember. Yeah, I can't recall which episode. It had to be almost episode. a year ago that we did it. It might have been. Well, this one's interesting. It's happened in Tanaku, Romania. Uh, the whispers start in April in the mind of 23-year-old nun. Uh, in the heart of an Orthodox convent in Romania's impoverished northeast, doctors say Marisica Arena Korniki believed she heard the devil talking to her, telling her she was sinful. She was treated for schizophrenia, but when she relapsed, a monk and four nuns tried a different method. Yeah, like how they just give up on the psychological diagnosis immediately. That psychological mumbo-jumbo's not gonna work. We gotta do an exorcism here. Bring in the priest. (laughs) Last week, Korniki was bound to a cross, gagged with a towel, and left in a dank room at the convent for three days without food. She died of suffocation and dehydration. You know, makes me wonder, what happened to holy water and a few Hail Marys? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've, I've seen The Exorcist. I, I, I never saw the towel and uh, bound to a cross. Starvation. I mean, doesn't that sound a little harsh? Uh, you know, I don't know. In April, Korniki was admitted to a psychiatric hospital in the northeast city of Vaslu, uh, Romania. She thought the devil was talking to her and told her that she was a sinful person. It's a symptom of schizophrenia, and she was probably having her first episode, said Dr. Uh, George Silvestraki. The nun was given medication released on uh, April 20th. Uh, she was supposed to return in 10 days, but never did. Daniel Petru Koraganu, a 29-year-old red-bearded monk. Do you see that guy, the picture? No, but I liked it. We should post it, because the guy is great. I mean, he's got this huge red beard. He looks like this fearsome Viking. Uh, He served as the convent's priest and allegedly led the exorcism. He told the media he was trying to take the devil out of the nun. He said she had to be restrained because she was violent and that she refused to drink holy water. (laughs) So, I don't know, man. She was bound to a cross. They shoved a towel in her mouth. Maybe that's why she couldn't drink the holy water. I I don't know. They probably gave her a straw. Koraganu and four nuns were charged with aggravated murder on Wednesday in Kornichi's death after testifying for 11 hours. If found guilty, they could face up to 25 years in prison. 
I imagine in Romania the you know these exorcism priests just sit outside the psych wards like rubbing their hands together like just ambul- waiting like ambulance chasers do in the uh, United States. Yeah, no, I mean, dude, how often do you get to do one of these? Yeah. So, anyways, they're being charged with aggravated murder, but aggravated murder implies intention and committing the crime with intentional sadism. But the nuns and the priest here believe they were helping the woman, that they were curing her from her pains. So really, it's not aggravated murder. It's murder, but I would say it's second degree. Well, the craziest thing is they probably still think that they helped her. They think that she's, she died, but they got the devil out and she went to heaven. Dude, they totally think that they helped her. They think they're completely innocent. But I guess when they found her, she was disfigured. She had marks on her hands, her ankles, and her stomach. Uh, her, her grave now is marked with a simple wooden cross of the word Sister Irina scribbled on it. Her uncle here said she was a good girl. It was too cruel. God, much too cruel. Those who allegedly killed her should all be crucified like her. And so, the circle yeah. goes on. The Orthodox Church strongly condemned the exorcism ritual as abominable. It has banned Karaganu, the uh, priest here, from the priesthood and excluded the four nuns from the church. Which, which leads me to wonder, what can they do now? I mean, what, what other jobs do they have? Work at KFC. I guess they're going to be in prison. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Make Taco Bell. Plates. So that's about it there. But on the sick and wrong scale, I mean, God, dude, they, they murdered this nun. They bound her to a cross. I mean, yeah, it doesn't sound like they were doing it out of some depraved sense of sadism here. Yeah, isn't in, in norm, you know, when people are crucified in the Bible, at least they're sort of put out on a, you know, a a big hill with some fresh air, but doesn't it, didn't it say that she was put in some dank like cellar? A dank basement of a convent. That sucks. I, I mean, don't you think they're, I mean, don't you think that's like the perfect place for Satan, you know, to get inside her again? Plus dude, basement of a convent, all the like aborted fetuses are down there and <laughs> used tampons. <laughs> I don't know, man. It doesn't sound like the exorcism movie here though. No, you know, it's much I, worse. It definitely. Yeah. Definitely much worse. I'm going to have to give it a 8.8. I'm going to give it an 8.7. 8.7. Well, we invite the listening audience to vote on this. Sickandwrongpodcast.com. You can decide who had the most disturbing news item here for episode 59. Sick and Wrong is now on sickradio.com. Finally, I just want to wrap up the show with this uh, interesting story that was sent in to us by a listener, a big fan who I guess has been listening for a while. His name is Sergi. He's from Illinois, but originally he's from Russia. He says, I got a small personal sick and wrong story for you. I was born in Russia back when it was the Soviet Union. Back then, many political murders and other stuff was happening. A lot of it was so sick just so the government would care about it. Not quite sure what he means by that. In the city where I was born, Tagantog, it's uh, right near the border of Ukraine, there was a crazy killer. His thing was killing people and decapitating them, and then hiding the head in some random place in the town, so some poor dude will find it and be scared for the rest of his life. Like a sick and wrong Easter egg hunt? (laughs) It's kind of what it sounds like. In this story, this guy scared the life of something like, it scared the shit out of like 500 people. So one time after killing an old guy and traditionally decapitating him, the police couldn't find the head anywhere they looked. That's not Russian tradition, right? That's just his tradition. Yeah, that's just uh, Russian serial killer tradition here. Usually the place that he uh, hid the the heads wasn't too original. A park, someone's backyard, a playground, things like that. This time he hid it in a bar. You're wondering what's so sick about hiding a head in a bar. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Well, he... Bumped the head in a 500-liter jug of beer that everyone enjoyed drinking out of. It was kind of like the Pepsi machine at the KFC. You place your glass under it, and beer starts pouring down. You would think that people would notice a weird taste after a few days. Or a hair comes out of the spigot. (laughs) Funny you should mention that. No, the only way they found the head was when one of the customers complained to the manager of the bar that there's a hair in his glass. Ugh. When the complaints became more frequent, they opened the jug, and there it was. A head was floating in the beer and its own juice for about a month. The police said that the estimated number of customers who drank out of the jug after the head was placed there was 500 to 560. 
Sergi here says he finds this shit so sick and so wrong. And he asks us a question here. What if you guys found out that the beer you guys drink had a dead guy's head placed in it before getting the cans that you're holding right now? That's fucked up. Yeah, but it wouldn't stop me. <laughs> you know, dude. Would you stop drinking this beer? I would not stop drinking MGD. If, even if I found the hair in here, I'd just kind of pull it out. Now, if it was a small curly hair, that might give me pause. If I saw an eyeball in the beer can, that'd be a little disturbing. What about if you found a condom? <laughs> what did the guy Howie Mandali put a condom over his head before he was decapitated? No, but I'm saying, let's say you're drinking that beer and that condom comes into your mouth. I'd probably get another can. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, thank you, Sergi, for sending in that disgusting article. Yes, that is definitely sick and definitely wrong. God, we almost should have used that as a listener submission. But it's historical. It's, it's not historical, current, so, yeah. It's you know, not current. You know the rules. It's not current. Well, thanks for listening. That's, that about does it here for episode 59. Make sure you stay tuned next week. We'll be back with episode 60. And I'd like to thank everybody for voting on Podcast Alley. Do we made it in the top 50 podcasts? And the top 10 comedy podcasts. Top 10 once comedy again. podcasts, too, once again. So uh, thank you for voting on Podcast Alley. And remember, next month it all resets. So, uh, yeah, make sure you vote again. I'm so proud. Yeah. Till next week. Smell you later. Hey!